What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. My name is Manuel Russell, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. And those of you who've been rocking with us for a minute know that these passing periods come in between our full episodes. Our full episodes, of course, uh, super dope guests and multiple headlines and video platform as well. So they, they take a while to... Um, organize and arrange and edit and, and all that stuff. So passing period gives gives Jeff and I some time to to discuss some issues or some some stories that perhaps didn't make it into our full episodes. And with this being summertime, towards the end of summertime, sadly, we have had a um, you know a, a, a little less than consistent schedule with regards to our every two weeks full episodes and passing periods in between um because you know we got stuff going on man we got stuff going on in summertime and a new school year is approaching and uh, we will be back with you next week for a full episode with the super dope guest to discuss the legacy of title nine and its impact on our education system so you definitely don't want to miss that that'll be coming at you next week and just a reminder for everybody these passing periods of course are just audio but those of you who rock with the audio no matter if it's a full episode or not we appreciate you uh but we still would really really love if you went over to our youtube channel and subscribe there just get those numbers up even if you don't watch our youtube videos you know what i'm saying just to get those numbers up because um That'll help hopefully uh, get our show up into more people's algorithms and all that good stuff. In any case, Jeff, here we are. It is almost August. July came and went in the blink of an eye. Boom, boom. How are you doing this week? Oh, man, I am. Uh, I'm doing all right. I am uh, busy, stressed. Uh, I, I would like to say, Manuel, I think I texted you this the other day when you, uh-huh. uh, when you did some... Um, some very helpful prep work for our latest uh, uh, full episode that spared me some nighttime labor after a 14-hour workday. And uh, <laughs> I, I think I said, uh, remind me next year not to do the busiest week of the year for me and try to buy a house in the same week. Uh, you know, it's just yeah. that, that would be a helpful reminder. So um, I'm going to invite other people, anyone out there listening, Feel free to remind me this time next year not to do the busiest work week of the year and buy a house at the same time. Uh, so, so is that your way of announcing to our audience that you are entering the realm of being a, a homeowner? I am entering the realm, Manuel. I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch because yep. you know we got it. We got to close, Smart. but. Uh, you know, earnest money has been paid, and uh, it's looking good. It's looking good. You know, we just got to make it through the, these final steps. So, uh, well, congrats gotta, on that. Pre- yeah, I got to pretend like I know what I'm talking about when I read an inspector's report about sewers and things of that nature. So, <laughs> Hey, man, that's important, man. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just saying, like, well, I don't know. How does one become educated about the finer... <laughs> points of sewers uh as a person who's been a renter for decades and decades so that you know i gotta learn i got some learning to do um but also manuel just backing up to your uh to your original point here i feel, i do feel compelled to say because sometimes i feel like when you when you say like you know oh it's we're doing a past period it almost has like a tinge of apology and i i, I feel like we shouldn't apologize we are we're bringing interesting content to an amazing community of all the above listeners followers uh and and you're right you're borrowing right. from the wisdom manuel the great wisdom of 90s legends ja rule and ashanti 
Uh, I'm going to say regarding our full episodes, they might not always be there when you call, but they're always <laughs> on time. Okay. <laughs> and we that. gave you our all. <laughs> okay? I love that. <laughs> yes. So, uh, that reference made my day. That is fantastic. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that now. We can move, we can move <laughs> on to education. Just need to work job rule and Ashanti in there. <laughs> yeah, man. For sure, for sure. I love that. I love that. Um, all right, so folks out here uh, around our area will be returning to work to the classroom very, very soon. Uh, folks who work in my district, I think we have a week and a half, a week and a half of not on duty time left. And it's... Um, it's passing by pretty quickly. And there are many areas, many districts across the country who are looking at this looming beginning of the school year and realizing that they don't quite have enough folks, enough teachers to actually teach in these classrooms that will be full of students uh, within a week or two. And this teacher shortage, as it's been uh, discussed is is really large and certain areas are hit especially hard. So Jeff, there are states, districts, regions that are trying hard, scrambling to figure out how they are going to find enough teachers to fill all these vacancies. I think my district actually is in a pretty good spot judging by like when, you know, they email out the, the current vacancies or whatever. The school I teach at, I didn't see any uh, current vacancies. I think we're fully staffed, which is fantastic. But for those areas that are not, there are some creative methods being employed to try to attract folks to the classroom. And Jeff, I think that's what we will discuss today. And in particular, we have three different approaches or three different ideas for how to get folks in the classroom to teach our young ones and to help build a, a humanizing future for everybody. And I'm sure all of these ideas, Jeff, are sound, are within keeping with the important call to educate for democracy and to help our young people learn what it means to be human and loving and to share space and to build a, a better world, a better tomorrow for everybody. And I'm sure all three of these ideas are just really, really solid and will earn our stamp of approval. So Jeff, where would you like to begin? Which, which, <laughs> um, which approach stands out to you first and foremost? Yeah, well, Manuel, of course, we got to start with Florida because, I mean, let's be real. Since Betsy DeVos has, has left the center stage, even though we just talked about her last weekend and it felt so good to uh, <laughs> throw some shade at your girl Betsy one more time, Manuel. Just, just remind me of the good old days. Uh, but in all seriousness, since Betsy decided to uh, that she wasn't up for the, for the full-on insurrection, uh, the next greatest education nemesis, I think it has to be said, Manuel, is none other than Governor Ron DeSantis in the state of Florida, right? I mean, Florida has been up to Florida. He was looking at Betsy DeVos doing all kind of stuff like, hey, how about make it easier to sexually assault women in college? And, you know, how about uh, not forgiving fraudulent loans to people? And how about, you know, uh, not visiting public schools and stuff like that, right? Uh, and Ron DeSantis was like, as they say, Manuel, hold my beer, okay? <laughs> he was like, don't say gay, uh, no curriculum that makes white people uncomfortable. Uh, not only can you not have a mask mandate, we're going to have an anti-mask mandate. <laughs> like you and we're going to yell at kids who are wearing masks during the, the photo op. 
Yeah, we're going to take money. We're going to take superintendent salaries if they try to have a mask mandate. I mean, this dude has been just a, he's like a, he's like, he's the Kylo Ren. If Betsy was Darth Vader, <laughs> he is the Kylo Ren of, uh, you know, of yeah. education uh, villains, that. you know, like younger, up and coming, just trying to do reckless stuff to make a name for himself, right? Um but, you know, if you scratch the surface, like, he's a little boy who's going to cry and, like, needs a, a hug from his mommy, you know? Or or better yet, from his daddy, because he probably didn't get enough of that as a child, which is why he's such a toxic man. Um, but anyways, that's a topic for another episode. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, let's start with Florida, Manuel. We got a couple of these examples. The great state of Florida uh, has... Uh, has a teacher shortage, like many states do. And so at this level, man, well, I have great empathy for Florida because just like here in LA, here in California, we got an issue, right? We have seats we need filled and we're looking at potential long-term subs, potential reshuffling, you know, raising class sizes, other kinds of things that we know are unhelpful educationally uh, as last-ditch responses. So what does Florida do to help address this problem? They create the military vet... Uh, military Veterans Certification Pathway, which went into effect July 1 of this year. Um, and Florida will be issuing five-year temporary teaching certificates for military veterans who have not yet earned their bachelor's degrees and who meet the following criteria. Okay, 48 months of active duty service with honorable discharge, minimum of 60 college credits with a 2.5 GPA, Passing score on a Florida subject area examination for bachelor's level subjects um, and employment in a Florida school district, including charter schools. OK, um, now I have to say, Manuel, there is there is both a layer of I do empathize with policymakers who are like, yo, we got to fill these seats and we need people. And so desperate times call for desperate measures. And there's something just uh you know, sort of like, of course they did, about nutty right-wing insane people uh, saying, you know what we'll do is we'll just have the army, who's <laughs> have the soldiers go from, you know, the battlefield in Kabul or wherever uh, to the classroom in a state where we also want to allow guns in the, you know, teachers to have guns in the classroom, uh, you know, where we're saying you can't teach truthful history. Well, we'll just have the army, we'll just have the military come teach history, right? Uh, <laughs> because that's a good idea. So, and I, I don't say that with any knock on the, the fact that I'm sure there's many veterans who would make good teachers. And there's many veterans who would make good lots of things and they still got to go to school and earn the credential. You know, they want to be a realtor. You got to go to school and pass the exam or whatever. Right. You want to be a barber? Got to go to school, and pass the exam. Right. Like this. You want to be a doctor? Same deal. But of course, with teachers, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll just have the military teach the kids and then, you know, then freedom will reign. So I think it is like. I think it's it is problematic. I think it's uh, it's denigrating to the profession, and I think in as much as it's dressed up in like, oh, we love our veterans and we want opportunity for our veterans, uh, you know, this ain't fixing traumatic brain injury that the veterans have. So you don't want to vote to like have the VA be good. You just you just want to say like, oh, but you can come over here and like 
you know, babysit kids, right? Um, so, uh, you know, yeah. again, I'm trying to walk the line here between not like taking the crap on veterans. That's not my point here. Um, and saying like, I think they're being used as pawns in this equation because, you know, who doesn't want to support the veterans, right? Right. Yeah. And one thing you said there about this being denigrating to the profession, I uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that is uh, the point of at least two of these three approaches that we'll be discussing today um, to denigrate the profession, because of course these these woke leftist teachers are you know ruining America, this that whatever. Let's get some some patriotic uh, military vets in there to teach true American exceptionalism and all that. I'm sure that is a very big factor here in calculating um, and and putting this plan together. And you know to you know well first of all shout out to the military veterans because I know a lot of folks. I grew up with a lot of military vets. My dad was in the Air Force, and I know a lot of folks, particularly black and brown folks. A lot of black and brown folks in the armed services and a lot of them there um, for necessity, really, uh, due to the lack of opportunity in the neighborhoods they grew up in, that my father will be included in that. And um, I'm sure I know there are plenty of uh, military vets that would be outstanding teachers who could certainly do really well in college and get that college degree and go through the process like all other teachers have to go through. So absolutely positively, like we need to make that happen to see that, you know, someone could be in the classroom teaching a class without a college degree if they're a military vet and that they don't have to pay certification fees either because that's another aspect of this. Military vets don't have to pay the, the examination fees, any certification fees, and neither do their spouses. It's like, well, well, damn, why does everybody else have to pay these fees then? Like, if I'm going into the service of education, why should I have to pay these uh, examination fees and all that stuff? Like, why do they get a break on those fees but but other folks don't? Like, we're all in the in the realm of public service here trying to educate our young people. Uh, so there's that. And yeah, this is um, there, there's a vision of public schools there's a vision out there that a lot of people are just really enamored with, this vision of schools that only teach American exceptionalism, that have veterans there, armed veterans there to address the threat of school shootings. And in this case, also teach our, 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 our young people. Like for a lot of folks, like they just get off on that. Like the only thing that will make that vision better will be like adding prayer in there too. And you know, um, mm. they want that to happen. And you know, they're already on, on the track of that. So there's certainly, there are certainly whole swaths of folks out there that like are dreaming of a day that they could send their kid to a school where there'll be prayer in school, where the teacher will be a military vet who will only mm. teach American exceptionalism and that person will be armed and like just a perfect vision there. And this is part of that plan. Wow. Certainly, certainly. That don't, is. Don't forget, that. don't forget white Jesus on the wall uh, in, oh, that in that sacred classroom, man. White <laughs> Jesus on the wall holding an AR-15 with an American flag oh, behind him. My of course. God. Wow. Um, so this, to me, this, this stinks of that. And that's what DeSantis is going for. That's what um, I saw someone call it. Oh, I forget. I mean, Florida just, there's. Florida can't stay out of the news at this point. And shout out to those of you who who watch and listen to our show from Florida who aren't with this craziness because we know there are just so many people in Florida who are uh, black, brown, indigenous folks who are just not down with this right wing stuff that is always in the news. And shout out to y'all for living in the midst of all this, I can't imagine the frustration um, that you must be feeling as you navigate all these things and the don't say gay bill and that uh, stop uh, CRT bill or whatever that thing. All these crazy pieces of legislation that are coming stop out of Florida, man. Act. That's, stop that's what it was. <laughs> man, so shout out to all of y'all that uh. are in the midst of all that still trying to do the best you can to build humanizing spaces where students of all backgrounds could 
learn to live and love together and explore and interrogate um, our past, present, and future and build a better tomorrow because this stuff is, yeah, man, this is a lot, man. This is a lot. So it yeah. is a lot, Manuel. It is a lot. And I think that's a great segue into example number two of how. Yeah. Our- how our nutty right-wing friends think we should resolve the teacher shortage uh, in this country, which takes us all the way from the the furthest southeastern corner of the United States to almost the furthest southwestern corner uh, of the continental United States, at least, uh, to the great state of Arizona. Great state of Arizona, of course, uh, ruled by Governor Doug Ducey. Uh, which you could have a lot of fun with his name, I think. Uh, but we won't do that right here. Just let your imagination go. <laughs> but uh, this article, talking about what Arizona is up to, I got to give a shout out. Catherine Joyce in Salon. Uh, whatever editor, or if it was you, Catherine, who came up with this headline, I got to give props to you because it's one of the better clickbaity headlines I've heard in a while. I'm just going to read it to you now. It says, we don't need no education. <laughs> Now Arizona says teachers don't require college degrees. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just great. great. We don't need no education. Um, <laughs> so, okay, Arizona, like everybody else, having a teacher shortage issue, and uh, their state uh, legislature just recently passed uh, the most expansive school voucher law anywhere in the country, hashtag privatization. Um so uh, they just recently signed this measure into law decreeing that public school teachers are no longer required to have a college degree of any kind before being hired. Arizona teachers will only have to be enrolled in college in order to begin teaching uh, the state's students in public schools. Uh, this law, SB 1159, uh, was pushed by conservatives on the grounds that Arizona has faced a severe shortage for the last six years. Now, of course, you also remember Arizona's teachers being in the news uh, relatively recently because they had a massive statewide strike. Uh, and they remain the state with the lowest average teacher salary. Okay? So um, Florida says let's have veterans, hopefully armed veterans, with white Jesus on the wall teaching the kids to love freedom. Arizona says, hey, why, why say they even have to be in the military? Let's just have any old person who wants to teach. You got to be in some kind of college. But as long as you're starting to, you know, take the study course of study that should help you gain a floor of professional expertise in order to be able to do the job, let's just start you right there and have very minimal threshold for entry. And this way our pathetically low salaries will not seem so pathetically low because compared to what you were getting as a high school graduate flipping burgers at, you know, wherever, this is probably a raise. <laughs> so yeah. problem solved, man. Well, problem solved. I, I, you know, I knew that there had to be some state out there that was going to fix this problem for us, man. Well, and I just didn't know it was going to be Arizona. Yeah, you know, uh, shout out to very smart, smart Arizona. We don't need no stinking college degrees here um, in order to teach. Yeah, this is wild, man. They, ba they basically took what Florida was doing and was like, you know what? 
that would be awesome. How about we drop the requirement to be a vet though? How about we drop that? And then we got us, we got something here. And really this is a lot of things all at once. Uh, for one, it's you know certainly a, a union busting technique, get folks in there um, with no certification, no nothing and, and you know, uh, take power back from these teacher unions. Uh, of course, Arizona famously had a, a massive teacher strike a few years back. So throwing in a whole bunch of folks without uh, without credentials, without certifications, without anything, um, that's that's one approach to to try to take power away from the, uh, the existing union there. So it's that. And it's also part of this right-wing attack on the teaching profession and the belief that teachers are left-wing activists. And last week, Jeff, when we talked about your pal Betsy and you had named her the number one enemy of, or something along the lines of the greatest enemy or uh, someone who's done the most harm or something to education in recent years. Um, and I mentioned like, I, I don't know about that because there are some, some online activists who have really gained a lot of ground with regards to taking apart our American education system. And one of them is named and discussed in this article pretty thoroughly, and that's uh, Christopher Rufo. And he's the the head activist against CRT who put CRT on the map, really, um, as a, a target of, of the right wing. He's the one who originally appeared on Tucker Carlson talking about CRT. And of course, Trump saw that, and that led to the 1776 Project and all these other things that we've seen since then. So that really initiated the first wave of attacks on uh, curriculum that is just humanizing and, and has diverse perspectives and all that. And he's behind this as well. I mean, he's he's mentioned in this article as being someone who's called for um, lawmakers to rescind the requirements needed to be a teacher because, as he puts it, uh, folks who have masters in education are are those left-wing uh, teachers that he said something about. Well, the, the article reads, quote, um, he's, he's claimed that master's programs in education only exposed future teachers to left-wing ideology. And he didn't want, he says, don't quote, hire the ones with the masters because those are the crazies. Uh, Jeff, um, I don't know if you recall, but you and I, we met in our crazy left-wing Marxist uh, master's program. And mm, how sure did he did. know, Jeff? Who told him, Jeff? Who told him that we were over there, you know, praying to Karl Marx and all that stuff? Um, we had yeah. a traitor in our midst, man. Traitor, traitor in, in our midst. Our midst. So, um, so this is uh, it, an approach to get folks from the quote unquote base into the classroom and to take power away from those of us who actually have expertise in, te in teaching and learning. So um, to see the confluence of, you know, what he and, and others were able to do with regards to their war on CRT. And of course, he is also at the center of the, the shift in, in narrative around um, LGBTQ folks. And uh, he's one of the ones who initiated the shift towards calling folks groomers, uh, folks who simply are, are there trying to stand for, stand for our um, LGBTQ plus communities and, and try to make sure we protect trans kids at all costs. And here he is also trying to go on the attack against credentialing programs so that these leftist teachers don't have as much of a foothold in the classroom and the curriculum. And like, it's just on and on. It's just nonstop. These, these, this grievance, I, I saw someone mention it, uh, call it the grievance industrial complex, this idea that like just mm -hmm. everyone's at war with what America really is. And we just got to attack, attack, attack. And that's what they're doing here. And this is just a it's not going to go well for the young people in Arizona. We could say that at least. It's not going to go well having a bunch of folks in the classroom who don't have any real um, 
education and with the sense of uh, formal academic education uh, in college and who are just being put in there just so simply, so easily, who are continuing to be underpaid because why would you increase pay when you could just throw people in there who will be perfectly happy with lower wages because it's better than, like you said, the alternative that they might be facing. It's just, uh, it's not, it's just not going in the right direction, man. It's just not. No, no, it's not. And, you know, I, here's the thing, Manuel, on some level, I could probably respect these ideas. Uh, I mean, apart from the, the fact that we know the source of these ideas, and these are people who actually, like, hate public education. Right. Um, but the, the sort of desperate times for desperate measures, I can understand states taking desperate measures given the reality of the situation, which is we have hundreds or thousands of unfilled vacancies and not enough candidates to fill them, and certainly not enough like really strong candidates to fill them pretty much across the board in this country. And so I get it. And if these people actually cared about public education, what you would see then, Manuel, is like, whoa, we need like desperate emergency measures, and then we also need like, we're going to have to double the output of teacher of like trained teachers that we yeah. are producing um, in our graduate schools of education, right? We are going to have to increase pay. We are going to have to improve working conditions. We're going to have to really focus on why is there such an exodus from the profession? How can we make teaching more sustainable or being an educator more sustainable for people you know what are the kids and the families saying about their experience in school how do we you know how do we meet make these two paths merge right so that what feels good to kids and families is also what feels sustainable for educators right and we're seeing literally none of that from these folks right there are people out there exploring those things but certainly not christopher rufo and you know doug Ducey, for example so uh yeah <laughs> And Ron DeSantis. Uh, so, you know, I think that's one of the, like, dead giveaways, right, which is, which is real in many aspects of this kind of right-wing backlash that we're seeing, right? The same people who, you know, call themselves pro-life uh, but don't support, like, the children's health insurance program or don't support, uh, you know, Medicare for all or expanding Medicaid, uh, you know, in states that didn't under Obamacare or, you know, all these kinds of things. Right. Like you play your hand and we know who you are and you dress your you dress your idea up in language that sounds nice and you're not about that at all. And I think right. we're, we're seeing a real manifestation of that in education here. Um, with with these folks, so big time, um, yeah, yeah. So, man, well, that I think that brings us then to the fourth, uh, or sorry, the third uh, yeah. story we wanted to talk about today, which uh, is an example coming out of Texas. Now, this um, comes to us from an article in the seventy four, uh, written now, by just Brian. time out, time out, real quick. So, Florida, Arizona, Texas. I would. Assume that the Florida craziness plus the Arizona craziness, and now we're in Texas. So, without you even telling me what this idea is, I'm gonna go out <laughs> on a limb, on a limb, and just guess: Is this a plan to perhaps allow, let's say, maybe like church pastors to be teachers without needing mm. any kind of credential, or maybe border patrol agents? Mm. Maybe they could teach math. Am I right? Am I close? You know, I'm sorry, Manuel. I was I lost my train of thought because I was taking notes. I was going to send those to Governor Greg <laughs> Abbott because those are great ideas, Manuel. Also, what do you think? Like sheriffs, 
Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like freaking Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger. Uh, oh, yeah. Gym teacher? How about or, that? How cool would that be? You know what? Actually, I mean, a formal classroom education is so overrated. These elites who think education is so important. Forget that. Let's just take the students, take them down to the border and help them construct this big, beautiful border wall. Mm, Maybe that's wall. the plan. Yeah. Big, beautiful wall. So beautiful. Get some vocational ed going, some <laughs> construction going. Maybe that's the plan, yes. Jeff. Yes. I, you know, these are, hey, man, who knew? That Manuel Weston by himself would be a fountain, a, a, a true right-wing think tank, all by his lonesome over here. Folks. Hey, man, there's good money in it, man. There's good money in it. If I wanted to sell out and had no soul, there's good money in it, man. I could do well over there, man. They, hey, hey, they, nutty, nutty right-wingers, uh, when you subscribe to all the above, it, it also helps, just to let you know. Um, so. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Sorry, man. Go ahead. <laughs> no. Uh, so... This last story, man, uh, Manuel, written in the 74 by Brian Lopez, uh, and actually I have to say, comes out of Texas, is probably the, the most interesting uh, example of a, at least at the district level, an approach to this issue, which I actually think with the right motivations and structures around it could be really, really a great idea, frankly, or at least it's moving in that direction okay so the headline of this article rural texas districts struggling to attract teachers are switching to four day weeks okay uh, the switch is popular among smaller school districts that don't always have the finances to attract or retain teachers with pay increases so they're talking about uh, in particular the mineral wells independent school district which is about 50 miles west of fort worth and the article goes on to tell a story about how they're losing teachers and they realized that teachers were leaving, going to neighboring districts that had moved down to four-day uh, school weeks, okay? And they, didn't, they don't have a large enough budgetary resource uh, currently to be able to increase pay uh, and be more competitive that way. So they decided to go down to a four-day work week as a way to be competitive through the lens of work conditions. Now, I think... We spoke about this earlier, Manuel, and I said, I, I think that they're doing it for sort of the wrong reasons <laughs> in some ways. So I want to be cautious about that. They're like, this shouldn't be a, a move that's like done out of sheer desperation, right? But they're starting to think about one of the major issues, which is like, why are people leaving? Because this stuff is a lot harder to do and sustain than people think. and. One of the, the greatest levers in that could be reducing the workload on educators, right? And I think that is absolutely something we need to think dramatically about. Anybody out there, I know, you know, the stereotype about the lazy teachers who like to get off at two o'clock and, you know, like get three months off in the summer and all these kinds of things, which are like anyone who's ever been a teacher knows that that stuff ain't real. <laughs> and, uh, you know, knows that like this job is a grind. And, uh, and, you know, it is shocking to me the extent to which we don't have serious conversations about how to improve work conditions for teachers, other than we have the surface conversation. Oh, we're going to do two days of PD for this, or oh, we're going to do this and that, right? Like stuff that's actually kind of a little more work on the top, right? Um, and isn't necessarily 
a sustainable reduction in stress and workload. Um, and we saw glimpses of it during the pandemic with some of the districts that were like, yo, we're taking an extra day off. Like we're taking mental health days for teachers. We reported on that a little bit. Um, some yeah. examples out of Virginia and other places around the country that were doing this. Um, but I think like there is, this is compelling to me, Manuel, because I think it is go going in the right direction. The reality is American teachers have too high a teaching workload and we need to actually reduce that workload and then balance the amount of time they have to actually be effective at their role. Common yeah. planning, looking at student work and data, communicating with families, uh, you know, setting up, you know, the lab and other kinds of things in the classroom, all those sorts of things that you need to feel effective. They need time to do those things. And virtually no district across the country has anywhere near enough time. Some are better than others, but even the ones that are good, it's still not enough. So I think this is a compelling idea. It's coming out of a like, dystopian Texas situation of desperation, but like they, hey, they stumbled upon a really interesting idea in my mind. Yeah, I'm certainly, of the three, it like stands out like blue ribbon, gold medal, medal winner here compared to the other, the other ideas for sure. And this actually reminds me of, you know, for our folks who have been with us since the beginning, like our first season of the show, we used to have a little segment that we call show and tell where we bring in a little you know, usually some little object that was symbolic of, of something larger that we wanted to discuss. And Jeff, you had a show and tell once where you brought in a clock. Actually, I think I brought the clock, but yeah, you, you know, definitely it was your show brought and tell. The clock <laughs> and you had the clock and you, you discussed importantly, as you just did, the, um, the shortage of time that American teachers have to actually do well at their job to prep and plan and study and to, and to grow uh, as compared to to other nations. And you, you know, you ran some of the numbers in terms of how much time, how much, you know, quote unquote prep time teachers have compared in the U.S. compared to uh, some other countries out there. And and yeah, this this for sure, as you said, this plan here in Texas, maybe not for the right reasons because they're doing this out of desperation, but uh it's an idea I could get behind for sure. A four-day work week, and it, you know, as a classroom teacher, I could I could rock with a five-day week if one of those five days is pupil-free. For example, you know, if it was a Monday through Thursday four-day like school week, and then a Friday to like you know do all yep. your important work, like I I could rock with that even as a yep. you know as a as an in-between whatever. So so yeah, uh, I, I'm with this idea, and the article mentions that the research is still kind of like not really uh, very clear about what impact this might have on learning. Like there doesn't seem to be um, much indication that this hurts learning in a major way or that it boosts learning. But I think in this day and age, especially with uh, heightened awareness around mental health and heightened um, just like need for young people to to um, have some time and space to to not just be burdened with all of the things that school burdens us with. Um, you know, I think some some really updated research would be helpful in understanding, like, you know, could we creatively reassess our school week in a way that would help both young people and help teachers uh, with regards to just the demands of schooling in, in the United States. So so I'm with it, you know, I, I if I worked in that district and I saw neighboring districts went to four day week and my district wasn't doing anything, if the district does just simply, in this case, this district, it sounds like they simply don't have the resource to boost teacher pay because of course, 
folks might have been listening this whole time thinking like, obviously the, the way to address the teacher shortage is to improve conditions and to boost pay, co boost compensation. And this sounds like a district that couldn't really do the compensation part, but the, the conditions part, maybe they can do in terms of, of giving teachers a little more time. So I like this idea a lot. I do wonder if this district has considered though, considered the possibility of having youth pastors teach instead or having a military vets or just, you know, folks fresh out of high school who haven't earned a college degree, throw them in the classroom. Uh, maybe the decision hasn't the considered that, that yet, well, but. Here's the thing I would yeah. say about all, all your really good uh, think tank ideas here is that yeah. I think what you're, what you're not getting to is the real like root of the cause. You need more radical thinking in the, S, in the sense of radical meaning root, okay? So why bother with the teachers at all, Manuel? Okay, why don't we just do this? We'll bring all the kids to one place. We'll have a big mm -hmm. fence around it, like a really high fence, okay? Uh, so um, they can't get away. Smart. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll put a couple of towers on like one in the middle and a couple on the sides. And we'll just ah, so put, you can watch them. We'll put the veterans up there with the guns, high power guns, because they're Marks gonna me. be a long ways away from the door so they can shoot the school shooters before they come in or the bad kids, either one. And uh, and then we'll just have the kids inside. We'll throw out a couple of balls. We'll put out the Chromebooks, right? Um, we'll let them uh, do some Khan Academy or whatever. And that'll just be school. We can staff that with like five people and, and maybe 20 guns. The only problem I have with that plan, Jeff, you mentioned Khan Academy. I don't, Khan, that doesn't sound American enough, Jeff. That's true. Uh, Prager U. Prager U videos. That, My bad. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Ah, oh, my God. What are we doing How here? How <laughs> dare you paint that picture, Jeff? Uh, well, uh, yeah, four-day work week. That Of these three plans, that's the one that will get my stamp of approval. And the other two, complete trash. And signed into law. We're, we were not talking about proposals. That was not a proposal in, in Florida. That was not a proposal in Arizona. Both of those are signed into law, active, on the books, that is the situation right now in Arizona yeah. and Florida. So, yeesh. That's a good ah. sound for it. That's a good sound for it. <laughs> yep. Uh, we got work to do. We got work to do uh, to kind of restore some dignity and, and respect. Uh, we, we need that uh, uh, bird, man. Put some respect on my name. Put some respect on my profession. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Yes. Man. Well, I think that that about does it for you. I, I don't know if the teacher shortage will be resolved anytime soon. So I'm sure we'll come back to this ongoing story about um, what to do about not having enough teachers amid um, another year of pandemic teaching and all the, all the challenges that are out there. But hey, man, for those of us who are still on our summer break, let's enjoy this last uh, week or so or two, or depending on where you teach, you might still have a full month, in which case, psh, salute to you. Um, but yeah, that about does it for this week's passing period. Jeff, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, nope. That's all I got, man. Cool. Um. <laughs> Sounds good. Hey, yeah. man. <laughs> That sounds good to me. All right, folks, uh, we will be with you next week for a full episode of All of the Above featuring Kim Turner. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Uh, and a reminder, reminder, please, please do consider subscribing to our YouTube channel, even if you don't watch the, the video versions of the show, because uh, getting those numbers up will go a long way. And please do remember to like and subscribe and all that good stuff if you're 
Not sure if you ever did that because you've been listening for so many years. You're like, did I ever do that? Did I ever like give them the five stars or whatever? Like, just go back, double check, just put that five star in there, man. That'll that'll help us out a lot. All right, folks. So enjoy your week. We love y'all. And for now, it's time for you to go ahead and get to class. (laughs) 